you are listening to a yodakin podcast hi everyone uh, we are back with the yodakin po- podcast today and with me is the fabulous fabulous author of like a mule bringing ice cream to the sun uh, sarah ladipo manika um she uh, published this book originally with kasava republic which is released out in nigeria and uk and we bought rights to the south asia edition and this is the brand new south asia edition um and um fabulously enough uh, sarah decided to come to india to launch the book herself so we have it here a true blue british nigerian author um which is uh, at least for small publishers a rare experience in india to be able to bring her to um um readers and viewers in person and also through this podcast and video cast so i'm going to be talking to her about um what went into really imagining this book and particularly in uh thinking up a splendid um really unusual character called Dr. Mario da Silva who is the central protagonist of the novel right so sara first of all it's fabulous to have you here at yoda press um, it's wonderful thank you and you can just keep talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, yes i should just keep talking uh, and then i'll shut up and you can take over right because i can't speak very little sarah will be doing most of the talking yeah so sarah i just want to jump in straight away into the making of morayo um I mean, obviously, I've probably been asked this question and again and again, but I'm going to ask you again: What, what possessed you to think of an aging woman as the central protagonist of the book, of the novel? Well, I often say that my fiction is driven by stories that I want to read and can't find, um, and that I'm just borrowing from Toni Morrison, who said. if there's a story you want to read and you can't find it try writing it and i was finding that i was finding lots of books about older men and very few about older fabulous women and yet in real life i was meeting just many more interesting older women <laughs> than older men not that was competition but um and i just wasn't seeing seeing that reflected in literature right. and in, in fact even as we were talking just yesterday when i arrived in delhi i just met this amazing larger than life older woman i don't know how old she is maybe in her 80s and so every time that i would want to stop writing the book and i thought oh there's no future i would meet yet another person and i just thought i just want to have that reflected in a main character so that was sort of the origin the impetus behind the story but there were moments when you felt you know what am i doing with this i mean that would be really interesting to a lot of young aspiring writers out there because once a book is published and you're speaking to the audience everybody in the audience particularly the younger ones think oh my gosh you know she it this seems so effortless and she's so fabulous when she's talking about this this must have been a really smooth experience and i'm not capable of doing that Yeah, I that is not the case for me. Everything I write, I'm always filled with doubts. And you know, the writing has different stages and often 
you know, the, the beginning of the writing of the book, I'm really excited about the ideas, the characters, and then I get into the story and I think, no one's going to be interested in this story, no one's going to be interested in the characters, and then I sort of think, and then I find a, a million and one ways to procrastinate and not to, to deal with what I'm trying to write. Um, and yeah, it, it just, it goes on and on like that for quite a while until I get towards the end. Perhaps the most exciting parts of writing for me are the beginning, the initial ideas. And then towards the end when I, I know that my story has come together and I love sort of polishing. Um, but lots of self-doubt. And uh, in a way I think, for me at least, it's important to at least have a little bit of self-doubt because it keeps me open and I, it allows me to explore, you know, to go down different paths until mm -hmm. I actually find the path that works. But it's yeah. not easy. Yeah. Um, What's the procrastination like? What do you do? Oh, do lots you clean of the house. Oh, the, yeah, <laughs> I have a sparkling house. Yes, you sure. Uh, it, it should be more sparkling, seeing how often I sort of but once go you away start writing, <laughs> once you start writing and possibly untidy as hell. It, yes. yes, and it should be. Um, yeah. Because once I start writing, especially if I'm in the flow, it's mm. I don't stop. Right. But what else do you do when you procrastinate? Oh, I eat chocolate. <laughs> I the internet is a very um, yeah not a very good thing. You can go down lots of different rabbit holes, ostensibly doing research. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. So the internet is is uh, I try and turn that off actually because that can mm. while away many many hours. Um, but I also, you know, procrastination, sometimes it's not procrastination, I'll go for walks, mm. I will, um, and that often actually helps, mm. so procrastination, so-called procrastination can sometimes help with the writing process. Yes, but you're, because you're thinking and exploring and taking the story forward as it were, isn't it, in your head. Mm -hmm. uh, do you map the story in any particular way? You know, it's interesting. I think it was it. Well, I don't think it. It was. It is Zadie Smith that's written a essay on what she calls two different kinds of writers: mm. the micro planner and the macro planner. Mm. And this is in her collection of stories of essays. The book was called uh, "Changing Your Mind." I think. Mm. And I am not the sort of writer that maps everything out. I envy those writers. You know, mm. they just. They know what they're going to write to. I'm the sort of writer, and apparently Zadie Smith is like this, so I'm in good company. Yeah. yeah. That I find my way through the writing, and mm. so I write my way to to the story. I mean, I have a vague idea, and I have ideas of characters uh, and places, but the actual story itself, mm. and that's for me why it's quite a messy process because I have to mm. write, throw away, write, throw away. Right. And you, of course, edit after you've finished your writing, right? Yes, and well, I, I edit after, but also during along the way. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. so it's, it's not a very efficient process. Mm, but it's what well, it works for you. <laughs> That's what I keep telling writing workshop students, that, you know, ultimately I can give you all these yes. uh, indicators and all these sort of best practices. It's what works for you that works, and that's it. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, I find best practices and writing advice is helpful and I certainly have listened to a lot of people and I still listen to lots of writers about their process but at the end of the day like you say you have to discover what works for you. Exactly. So tell us, tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about Mariah. Why is she so special? 
I just love her. You know, all, I have to love all my characters, and even, this means even the, the wicked ones, especially the wicked ones. Mm, uh, we're all humans, and <coughs> none of us are perfect. Um, if I don't like my characters, if I don't find something that's human and attractive about them, I can't write them. Mm. So Mariah is not perfect. She's close-ish, maybe, but she's definitely not perfect. Um, she is in her mid-70s, and she's an expatriate Nigerian woman living in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And she has a great joie de vivre. She drives a sports car. Mm. She loves people. She um, makes friends quite easily. She's lived in different parts of the world. She spent some time in India. In she wears very exciting lingerie. She does. Mm -hmm. um, she's very sensual. Um, and that's another thing I was finding that when people, you know, the few stories about older women that I was able to find, many of them sort of embrace the stereotypes of older, cranky women who were not at all sensual. Yeah. And that's not reflective of <laughs> many women that I've met. Um, and so. Yeah, she's very independent, and I won't give away the story, but at a certain point in the story she has a fall, and that challenges her independence, let's say. But it's, it's, a, it's her story, it's the story of her life, story of her friends, it's a story of aging and desire. Yeah. Um, you write the sex really well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, all of it, when it comes together, uh, this aging woman who is so sensual and, of course, some of it is communicated through the, the, the they're not really sex scenes as such, they're, they're more like memories, they're more like uh, certain nuances, uh, which, which gives such a vivid picture for sensuality. And I think that's what I felt... I have to be Mariah when I grow up, you know. There is such a sense of, I mean, such a sense of, uh, as you said, she's almost perfect in that sense. Uh, did you have fun writing her? I did. And I think, um, you know, the sensuality, there are, there are elements that have to do with sex, but it's also an enjoyment of life. So she really embraces life and loves it, and I think, there's also, so, you know, that, that, that sort of sensory desire and love is, some, is something that I was trying to bring forth with the book. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I, I had great fun writing her, and then I also had great fun writing her friends and the characters that she meets, because one of the things that I was really trying to do was to explore this business of identity, the, whereby we see ourselves in a certain way but then others see us as well, and it's this sort of dualistic nature of identity, the way that we see ourselves and the way that we're perceived. Um, and so it was fun for me to be in her head and to see the way that she saw herself, mm. and then to see the way that others saw her. Sometimes they loved her and embraced her and saw what she was all about. Other times, not at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, readers in India, I feel are really going to love this book because there's so much India in it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting, and it's I'm, I'm glad you see so much of India in it. I this is my third visit to India. I I went to Mumbai earlier this week for the first time. I've been to Delhi before and Bangalore, and I love this country. Um, in a way, it's, it feels very familiar. So I grew up in Nigeria when I was younger in Lagos, <coughs> which is a mega city like Mumbai, Delhi, I think, is also. Um, and there's something about, I don't know how to put it, this beautiful chaos and vibrancy. Chaos, and I don't mean that in a, I mean that in both senses of the word, just this wonderful, maybe chaos is the wrong word, but here's the writer in me now riffing on words. But an abundance and an exuberance, smells, sounds, sights, rich, rich history. Um, and so yeah, it's a country that I would love to spend more time getting to know. So I, I've never lived in India, but I have to have a character who had lived a little, at least a little bit in India. Um, and then there's also, we were talking earlier about one of the minor characters who, whose heritage is also Indian. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's a personal love of mine that does find its way into the book. Um, she's really well traveled, right? I mean, there's of course India, she's been to India, but she's also been to various other places. And then there are the books. Um, I mean, those are two reasons I particularly loved her, apart from the sensuality, because it was just so easy to um, identify, um, not just, you know, what I would like to be when I am that old, but because I have seen such women of that age who have travelled that much, who are that exposed and that well-read and as you said we never ever find them in literature really um, and I was just wondering when I was reading the book when I was halfway through the book did it also come from a from a is Mariah based on someone in your family or is this how you see yourself where does it come from you know I think there are elements of all of the above um, I think you know, I'm in my middle years, or I may be in my end, I don't know, we never know how long or how short our lives are, but um, certainly as I grow older, I've been thinking more about what might come, yeah, you know, what awaits me if I grow older, if I grow to be her age. And um, so, and now I, I'm losing the thread. <laughs> I'm thinking about what, what happens when I grow to, what, what was your original question, uh, sorry? Family? Was it yeah. someone in the family? Was it, yeah. Um, I mean, so, you definitely so, want to be like that when we are not sending That's a given, right? Yeah. So, I guess in, 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 a, in a sense, it might be a projection of, you know, how, if I'm in my 70s, what will I be like? And how will I, how will I think, how, how, how am I thinking about aging? I guess that was another thing, another sort of impetus for, for this book. Um, and I've always had friends who've been much older than me and much younger than me. And I've watched people as they've aged. And I've always had great admiration for people who have a glass half full approach to life as opposed to glass half empty. And I think in, in some senses I was writing this book for myself, sort of saying, Sarah, try and have a glass half full right. yeah. mentality. 
whatever age you are, but particularly as you age. And I'm not sort of, this is not me sort of diminishing what can happen as one grows older, um, physical ailments, mental ailments, and so forth. Um, but just as, as I grow older, I would like to embrace, you know, not a spirit of kind of closing down and shutting down and bemoaning life, but just embracing it as much as possible. So in a sense, I was writing this to me. Mm. Um, but, you know, to go back to your original question, I, because I have many older friends, I think there are elements of various friends in this. And also, I should say that while I was writing this book, one of my older friends um, was quite ill and, and she uh, got dementia and it was, it was just a very sad ending to her life. And I think in, in a way, this is also a book for her and uh, Grace, white American Jewish woman, so in many ways very different to Mariah. Um, but she, like Mariah, also had no children. She had never married, actually. And so in a way, this is also me writing to her a, a, a happier story, in a sense. Okay, that's a great mood to end this chat on, but we'll be talking more during the day at the launch events that we have planned for Sarah, one in Gurgaon and one in South Delhi. We'll also be putting some videos from there on our YouTube channel. Do try and catch those as well. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. And let's have a great day together. Thank you.